Hello, this is your host, Dr. Casey Bradley. Welcome to the Real P3 Podcast, brought to you by the Sunswine Group and Swine Nutrition Management. Well, to follow up with our interview with the Managing Director of Agri-Statistics, we're going to discuss how Swine Nutrition Management implements the data that she developed for them with their customers. So we're going to visit with our friend, if you all have been listening and attended Midwest Animal Science last year, you will know Yako Rath. He presented three different abstracts with us there at Midwest Animal Science meetings in Madison. But it's really exciting to have him back and see him grow into his role with swine nutrition management. So stay tuned. Well, this is going to be fun. Unfortunately, we're not in person, Yako, but we are at least virtually together on the Real P3 again. In case people don't remember you from American Animal Sciences meeting in Madison last year where we had three abstracts, can you kind of refresh the audience about your background and what you do for swine nutrition management? Hi, Casey. Um, yes, thank you for having me. Yeah, I work for Swine Nutrition Management in South Africa. We are a consultancy nutrition company working mostly with home mixers in the swine industry. And I am, for the most part, a research nutritionist. So running the Bainesville Swine Research Unit down in KwaZulu-Natal. And then I also kind of manage the production data and quality data for our clients that we do testing on for the quality and just keeping tabs on production data, how that, how the farms, how they do with production. So that's your, for the most part, what I do on my day to day. Well, awesome. Um, What have you been working on in research? So I heard some exciting stuff coming out still from your group and kind of fill the audience in on what you've been working on or if you can spill the beans anyways. Yeah, so without going into too much detail, we have been working on some enzyme trials. Uh, we have a new enzyme trial that started last week that we're doing for a company based in the US. And then also we've did a marketing strategy and stocking density trial that we really got interesting results from. And we actually if all goes well, presenting that at Banff next year. And then, yeah, we have some mineral trials lined up. So, yeah, for the most part, it is going good at the moment, looking good. So we'll see. Time will tell. Well, I was going to say after uh, Midwest, I can't believe how many different people reached out about your copper trial because it was different than a lot of the data out of the U.S. And I think some of that had to do with the fact that you raise intact males out to slaughter and you are marketing probably at a lower body weight. But that particular abstract you guys presented last year was um, very, I guess, everybody wanted information on it and to learn more. So it's it's interesting to see how that plays out. I would can't wait to see the marketing strategy data behind the scenes and maybe if I'm lucky in the beautiful Banff, but we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> that is much better place than Madison, Wisconsin in the winter, but <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know which one's colder, but <laughs> yeah, it was quite cold. So yeah, but back to that, um, I have to say, we also did an Improvac trial that we finished a week or two weeks back and regarding the 
that you mentioned we we slaughter out intact males. Yes, we do. And with that, we only slaughtered them a week later and we actually had a gain of about 20 kilograms more in carcass weight. So that really also was an interesting yeah, oh, interesting wow. trial to look at. So that, yeah, but they ate like monsters. So in the last two weeks, so three weeks. So yeah, that. So that I may have not also, penciled out yet to know if that was really, I mean, with the feed efficiency cost, but 20 kilograms yeah. in an extra week. Yeah, that was really something to look. They were quite heavy carcasses. So an average of yeah, 100 kilograms carcass weight. So. Did you see any um, welfare or aggression changes because of the, you know, because of that massive weight gain and stocking density to take them out that to that heavier weight? To be honest, no, we didn't see anything. We they were quite docile, to be honest, because usually they do tend to fight with each other and they do wrestle and they we call it they're riding each other. Mm-hmm. If, yeah. yeah. So and we've we haven't seen any of that. So they were it was a calmer pig to work with, especially when weighing them, yeah, working with the animals as well. So, yeah, not yeah, something we used to. I was going to say, like, <laughs> half of the way those boars at the end of a finisher trial, no thanks. <laughs> yeah, that is, that is quite an exercise in itself. Yeah. So. Well, very interesting. As part of our September special, we're also going to have Leanna on from Ag Statistics, if I agree to statistics but i'm always going to say that wrong because i want to call it ag agri stats or something that we have in the u.s but we got a little bit of a background of what else you guys are doing to service uh, the nutrition in south africa and i think it's very interesting to see how her business is blooming and kind of wanted to follow up with you You've got a lot of data. The data looks very interesting. And from a feed quality perspective and gradient monitoring, of course, that was my passion for a long time. And I was kind of wanted to get your perspective from a nutritionist and how you're utilizing that data and how that's kind of really changed some formulations or kind of what you've seen in the data from your perspective. So, yeah, we have been for quite some while we've been collecting and looking at deeper into data of our clients but obviously all of that's on excel so and with agritistics and building kind of a database for us uh, to make it much easier to look at the data so yeah what we try and do is we understand that every farm is it's a unique setup and even though we we do work with the same genetics sometimes. So the climate change management practices change. So, and each genetics company, they do have a manual set up. And we try and look at that as a starting point or baseline to work from and to kind of track what we do in formulations, higher dense diets, lower density diets, or, yeah, and kind of try and track that through the animals and the production data that we do gather. So we try and start early, as early as possible with the guilt rearing, especially because that is the future of your herd and to kind of see how the growth parameters being measured, weight, gain, feed intakes, um, all of that, how that affects the later production and lifetime production of these animals and then also where we get our sweet spots can you call that 
for each individual farm or enterprise and to get as many as possible of the animals into those boxes that are set to be able to get the best product, which at the end of the day, for sow, it will be piglets weaned or for grower finisher herd, it'll be the amount of pigs sold or slaughtered. So, yeah. I hope that answers your question. Well, it does. And it was interesting. She mentioned, I'm not sure if it was in the official recording or or in our pre-interview, that eventually you're going to kind of map that out and you have a unique ability to help service your clients also to what's the best abattoir to get the most profit for their type of operation. And kind of walk us through like some of the differences there of how your producers get paid and kind of why that's going to be really important for to drive profitability. Yeah, we do have a couple of different abattoirs that people are slaughtering at. And that is one of, especially with the research data that I've been getting with the research barn, I've been looking at that is to kind of model your finisher pigs and the growth of them and your ultimate slaughter weights and to kind of have that set for set up for different avatars and the grading system. So avatars might penalize you for going higher or um, heavier than a certain certain weight or a certain back fat percentage. So and that does differ slightly. Like one avatar I would say the cut of above 101 kilogram carcass weight they'll see the carcass as a sow and abattoir B would say no from 105, 110 kilograms up, they would. So that, yeah, kind of just to determine how to market your animals and where to market them. Well, and I think that's vastly different than possibly Europe and the U.S. where we're kind of locked into marketing contracts. We, we don't have the option of going back and forth or I do know some producers will maybe have contracts with two in the same region, but how easy is it for your producers to decide which avatar that they're going to sell to? Well, to be honest, most of the guys, they also have set contracts with avatars, but they would have a contract with two or three avatars that they slaughter at. So then that will make it easier for them to determine where to send the different pigs to. So you'll just kind of funnel them over to the one or the other. So, But to be honest, on the other hand, at this stage, we do have quite a shortage of carcasses in South Africa. There are, as you know, a bunch of farms that did close down. So that's also we do have a shortage of carcasses at the moment. So that, that also plays a role. So has that helped with the price for the producers that have stayed in business or? Not yet. It is looking better, but not much better. So it is, it is fluctuating quite a bit. So that you're yeah, on the other. Do you end. have an estimated capacity that you guys are short on shackle space as we would call it? Yeah. I can't tell you off the top of my head. And now, usually with that, the processors will want to push those weights up, potentially. Are you also seeing that with your avatars and producers going to heavier weights? We talked about InfraVest with a you know 20-kilogram heavier carcass is a lot of pork. Are you seeing some of that because you have shortages in carcass, or is it kind of just being status quo at the moment? 
for the most part, it's kind of status quo, but a couple of the abattoirs have spoken about moving the bracket for the carcasses, moving that a bit and adjusting it as well. So to a bit more heavier carcasses. Swine Nutrition Management is a consultancy service in South Africa, whereas pig nutritionists have a vision to provide customers with practical, up-to-date, and accurate nutritional information, which will add value to their farming enterprises by moving closer to unlocking the genetic potential of their animals. They develop tailored, cost-effective feeding programs for customers. Their approach is not to develop least cost, but rather best cost feed programs. By reviewing the entire cost structure of the farm, this includes a deep understanding of the production equation, which is driven by throughput, productivity, and feed efficiency. They don't just service South Africa, they are now in Europe and Canada as well. So now, let's jump back into our episodes. So taking in some of this data and modeling it out and with the different ingredients and stuff, what type of feed ingredients are you guys using in your diets? Corn, soy, traditionally, but is there some other stuff that I've been pricing in for you this year? So, yeah, for the most part, it's corn, soy, wheat brand diets, but we've been for the past year, uh, two years, we've been quite intensively working with DDGS more, and then also an SPB, a uh, byproduct mix that we blend as swine so a bunch of co-products byproducts that we blend and that also comes in quite nice especially when the um, soya and maize prices they are quite high that prices in quite good into the diets and it gives you a good quality product to be able to switch into your diets to kind of mitigate the input costs well, see, you just opened a whole new can of worms, Yako. Let's talk about this byproduct blending. Are you guys making this or how do you formulate that and consider that as just based on what buying and trying to keep a consistent nutrient profile with it? Yes. So doing being part of the quality team at Swine as well, that's kind of part of my job is to make sure that whatever goes into this byproduct blend is obviously in the first place nutritious and safe for the animals to consume because yeah it is most of the products it is not past the best before date Mm -hmm. but it's getting it's past the shelf life so and it is usually used in human in the human food industry so and then obviously just to set the quality standards for that and then blending a product that fulfills specs of our initial formulation so yeah each batch of raw materials coming in and each batch of blended product obviously gets tested to be sure of that so ultimately you guys are producing your own bakery meal to use with on human grade and other byproducts yes basically yeah So you've obviously went through your harvest, and I think you're going in as we're hoping for cooler weathers of the fall. You're hoping for warmer weathers of spring and summer coming up for you. What has the crops looked like this last year? I know Willem touched on it on uh, last month, but he touched more on microtoxins. What are you seeing from um, some of your trends on the nutrient profiles of your different uh, ingredients that you're using today? 
Well, to be honest, me and my colleague Tracy, we spoke about it this week. For the most part, it is looking positive. The only kind of quality parameter that I saw that declined a bit was the wheat brand, but our maize is looking quite good. And also our soy oil cake is looking quite good. We did go through a dip in the past year where we didn't really get good quality. Well, I won't say we didn't get good quality. It was just a drop in quality. Um, At some stage, we went down, especially in the maize. We used a six and a half, seven percent maize instead of a seven and a half percent maize. So the um, on protein. So that is it is looking positive for the most part so far. So but yeah, and then on the other hand, the mycotoxins are looking bad. Um, if you can say that just the past week, I had some maize coming in that tested almost 4,000 parts per billion don, And I think it had like a thousand parts per billion zia. So it's, yeah, that's probably to do with the irregular weather patterns that we had close to harvest and yeah, it, the El Nina and all of that coming through. So we did have quite a wetter than usual autumn season. So what do you do with that? I mean, is it a load specific? Is it a whole bin full for that producer? What do you do with something that is almost, to me, like unfeedable? Well, yeah, in the first place, I did suggest that they throw it in the river. But no, we did. We obviously, (laughs) we upped the suggested to kind of up the toxin binder and then also bring in a clean, if you can call that, load and kind of just blend those contaminated batch or batches with the cleaner ones and then just kind of try and keep that to the grower herd and not to your more sensitive animals um, like your smaller pigs, gilts and your sows. So that's, yeah. So do your producers have the ability then to segregate corn like that, like we do in the U.S. for our sows versus finisher pigs? Not all of them, but if they do have the storage space or silo space, then yeah, it is possible. And luckily, this um, producer, they did have the space to be able to get a new load in. So this last year, you talked about one of the main trials that came out, I thought was kind of really interesting, your winter versus summer feeding programs and kind of walk us through, obviously that data is there. If people want to reach out to you, they can get that, but kind of walk us through of how you change your feeding programs based on winter and and, uh, summer type of feeding strategies, because you're in the winter as we we speak going into spring and kind of walk us through when you start changing that feeding strategy up based on your environmental changes. For the most part in the summer, it will be more nutrient dense, diet but for the past couple of years we haven't really had that issue because the nutrient specs are quite close in the first first place so changing over is not really yeah we we don't really follow that anymore but it is a possibility and we have had one producer this year that we did change it a bit but we just also saw that with the increase in feed intake it wasn't that much to kind of make up for the lower spec diet. And do you um, get to work on the south side much or are you focusing still primarily on the uh, the grower side? Well, yeah, for me at the moment, it's mostly the grower side. So, 
yeah, it's hopefully in the coming months I am able to focus because that's also something we spoke about. I would like to do more work on the sow and piglet side as well, especially with the research in the company. Now, has that nursery facility opened up on the for you guys yet? No, not yet. That's in the in the pipeline. So hopefully, fingers crossed, in the next couple of years. So we have a wish list and I have a wish list to fulfill. And but everything does take time and costs money at the end of the day. So Oh, yeah. don't I know. And <laughs> this year's not a really good year to, to check off your wish list, right? Uh, no, definitely not. Where do you see some challenges and opportunities for your customers in this next coming year? Obviously, we know costs are tight and and things like that. But I mean, in your perspective, what's your take on some of the the challenges and opportunities that you see coming for the South African or African uh, swine industry? Well, to be honest, some of the challenges that I do see is especially the quality of raw materials that we do get at the moment, not really nutritional, but yeah, toxins, and then also input costs. So, but with that comes opportunity to kind of try and mitigate these challenges by being more efficient in your approach with your production and what you put in to your animals or your feed at the end of the day. So, yeah. Any shining lights, you think, in my mind? I mean, obviously, you said that, you know, there's opportunities always to save money. There's concerns, but that breeds opportunity. Do you see, like, if you were checked five years from now, in your mind of where the industry is going? Well, in South Africa, with our swine working more closely with, especially byproducts, I'd say that is something that we can look into more, especially with where the raw material prices are going to. So kind of trying to look into that more. It has been slow going. I just think it's kind of changing the mindset set or perception of producers to kind of be willing to try it out. Which explains why you're also doing a lot of enzyme work. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> Are most of those byproducts coming from Africa or are you guys having to bring those in through the ports? No, luckily they are already here local. So they are locally sourced. So yeah, that helps with the logistics and the price at the end of the day. Well, yeah, it keeps a circular economy as well if you really kind of think about it. So yeah. Well, as always, been great to catch up with you again i i'd like to see you in person someday but i may have to come to africa or banff it sounds like if you also get to go before we go i'll turn the table and let you ask me a question if you like as tradition on the podcast well to be honest i'd like to we you know we've spoken about this but yeah extend the invite for you to come over i visited you at the start of this year so but yeah with what you see in what you know from the south african market and what you've learned what do you see in the next five years how we can approach the challenges i think you know the african continent if we look at that and the different people i've talked to in the last two or three years thanks to this podcast 
I think you're sitting in a geographical area where, you know, it may be struggling today on, you know, pork production and challenges there from a, you know, profitability standpoint. But when you think about consumers of pork with China, you're a lot closer almost to deliver to that market than potentially we are. So, and you've all obviously through the integrated systems there have been able to maintain an ASF free system, even though you got ASF, you know, running around in the backyards. Yeah. So, so I think, you know, there's a really great opportunity, I think, from your standpoint of when we look at the regulations happening in Europe, that I see Africa growing in the pork production. I don't just see it in South Africa. I've talked to some Uganda people, um, Ghana, uh, Nigeria. And I think, you know, as long as you guys get that infrastructure, which is, you know, probably you'd admit is still a challenge for you with yeah. load shedding and different things you have to deal with every day that we take for granted here in the U.S. But I really do see the producers who can make a go of it, right, and keep growing. I think, you know, I I see more of a U.S. type of market where you're going to have the larger integrated systems. Will you have the abattoirs and the fully integrated components? That would be the interesting part, right, to where you can definitely dial in your models that you're you're creating to say, if I own that pork all the way through until the grocery shelf, then, you know, that changes the dynamics for a producer. And I think, you know, maybe you're just um, on the cusp of going down that path that, you know, other systems or other countries have done as well. But it really come down to politics. And I don't like to talk about politics. Um, as you know, uh, you still suffer from load shedding. And I'm like, my my son would die without Wi-Fi, you know, or his phone. And and I'm just like, oh, I should just send him to Africa for a summer and he would uh, maybe be a little bit more optimistic on his conditions here. Send him over for a week or two. Yeah. But yeah, I think it's, it'd be really interesting. You have a lot of talented people. There's a lot of stuff behind the scenes that probably you or I are not maybe as aware of. But I do, you know, working with you and others, it, I'm really optimistic about the future of growing. I think you're getting smart, smarter about your data, implementing data differently, which is exciting to see. So I don't think you're really far behind other mature markets in, in that capacity, but I do see it as an opportunity, but yet they still see the politics components probably being an infrastructure, probably some main challenges to really turn around your market. I'm not going to give up on it because, you know, there's a lot of talented producers and a lot of good things going right to where I think, you know, that's to me the next hot spot of pork production. Africa as a whole. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if you keep hers Thank out. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the other thing, um, especially with some of the infrastructure challenges is to keep all of the diseases that you mm -hmm. would not like to farm with out. Yeah. So. But yeah, it was a pleasure having you and hopefully our audience will reach out. And if they want to reach out to you about learning more about your research or your research capabilities, how do they go about doing that? I'd say the best way would be to send me an email. It's yaku at swine.co.za. I 
I don't know if we can put that somewhere. And I'll put that in the somewhere. show notes. Yeah, I'll yeah, put that in there here. Maybe that, that'll be the easiest. So, yeah, with any, I don't know, questions or questions, concerns, or feedback, I'd say. Well, and I was going to say, most people just reach out to Casey. Can you get this from Yako? Or I'm like, sure, I'll, I'll get it. <laughs> no worries. Let's go. <laughs> that can work as well. But yeah, yeah. we can't cut out the middleman. Yeah. So definitely. So it was a pleasure and enjoy the rest of your cooler temperatures because we are melting here in the U.S. still. So, Yeah, well, we still in August and this week we had temperatures of 30 um, degrees Celsius. So it's so yeah, you're, you're it, getting up there. Yeah, it, yeah, it did start. But luckily this weekend it's cooling down again. So <laughs> I don't know if it's good <laughs> or bad, but yeah, we're not even in summer yet. So yeah, but thank you. Enjoy the last bit of heat. Yes, it was great connecting again with you. And I'm yeah. sure we'll have you back on the podcast here in a few months to discuss some more of these research updates. Because that uh, improvised trial, that seems very interesting for sure. Thank you. Well, as you can see, there's a lot of stuff happening in Africa that has implications beyond their borders as well. So a lot of takeaways to have there. Very interesting work on Infravest, I would have to say. And excited to see what other types of research that Yako comes up with and presents here. And hopefully we'll have him back in the U.S. presenting in 2024, possibly. So maybe 2025. I know they are coming to Banff. So if you're going to Banff, so stay tuned. But as always, if you get a chance today, hug a pig for me.